It's Sunday, March the 6th, 2016, and you are listening to Fuel for Educational Change Agents. Good evening. I do not normally do an introduction for podcasts on this channel, but I thought it was warranted given the context, which may or may not be clear for this session. This is actually an audio recording of a video that I recorded yesterday at our fourth EdCamp OKC that was held at John Marshall High School here in Oklahoma City. And the title of the session, I guess I could actually look at what that really was, um, had to do with uh, vitriol, profanity, and blogging. And it um, really stems from interactions that have been taking place between some of our most noted educational bloggers in the state of Oklahoma and a person who I'm actually not going to link, I don't think, to, well, I don't know, maybe I should, is called Mid News or something. It's somebody who has been criticizing a couple of our educational bloggers for using profanity and for using language that, if it was used at school, would have landed well, would land those the students in trouble, basically. Um, it, yeah, this, the session was called Vitriol and Obscenity, Where is the Line? So, gosh, I this is a, this is a really important topic. Um, it's really important also in the context of digital citizenship. And uh, kudos uh, to Rick and Dallas, who were the instigators of this session, and then everybody who participated, because I really think, as, as I mentioned in the course of the discussion, um, we're kind of building the plane as we fly it when it comes to social media and our role as educators and our desire, in many cases, to be advocates and to be outspoken advocates. Um, And there's just a lot of different issues here. So, without further ado, back to EdCamp OKC, March the 5th, 2016, for our first session that took place in Room B-101. No, sorry, it was Room B-105. We are here today because um, uh, we thought it would be kind of fun and kind of interesting, definitely interesting, to have a session and talk about um, just the, the whole idea of blogging and, and, and where that has brought us in the state as, and as an education community. Um, the reason for the title of the session, um, a, a couple of weeks ago, um, a website that none of us really knew about called Middle Ground News, does it? Yeah, I don't have it. I didn't bring a laptop or anything, so. But we can, we can bring it. If somebody wants to bring full sure. stuff up. Uh, anyway, they called out uh, Blue Serial Education, OK Education Truths, and Rob Miller's View from the Edge. Uh, Rob had other engagements or didn't, you know, want to have his name attached to this. <laughs> um, He's been trying to disassociate himself ever since. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, it's all Rob's fault, probably. Um, so uh, anyway, the, the the website Middle Ground News called the three of us out for vitriol and obscenity on our blogs. And then the next week, after we'd all mocked their original post, um, they called us out for hypocrisy and you know bullying, bullying, invoking our student handbooks, um, um, among other things, accusing me and, and my blog of. Of participating in intimidation. And I don't really know that I've intimidated. I mean, look at me. I'm five foot eight and 180 pounds, generously. Um, and um, and I used to be five nine, so I'm not getting any closer to intimidating people. I, I 
I, I don't tower over people. I don't know, you know, and uh, I don't have the power to, you know, hurt a lot of people. But but I can definitely offend people. Um, but the question that we wanted to ask and have a discussion of, uh, because I honestly don't care what Middle Ground News, and, and they are really just an offshoot of OCPA, which is the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs, which is a, a think tank in Oklahoma, and I use that term loosely as well. Um, that um, that basically um, uh, writes a whole lot of nonsense that uh, is always anti-public education. Um, if anything bad happens in a public school anywhere, and some bad things happen, and 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 those things are often very heartbreaking, um, they tweet it out and make sure everybody sees it because that it suits their agenda. What they don't get is a lot of people challenging them on their viewpoints. And I think that as that has increased over the last few months, years, they've really wanted to, they've felt threatened and apparently intimidated. Um, but I don't, know, I don't know that I care what they think about the content of my blog, but I care about this group. I care about the group that comes to ed camps. I care about what the teachers in my school district think. I care about what my school board thinks, obviously, because they could call a special board meeting and have me gone within 48 hours if they were displeased. Um, but, but more than anything else, you know, when I started writing my blog four years ago, um, I cared about, and Jen Williams is one of the first people who read my blog on purpose, I think, and started you know, interacting with me on the Twitters. Um, not to mention Johnny Curriculum in the doorway there. Um, <laughs> this is coming from Ed Camp OKC, though. Um, uh, wise for mine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm... Um, this, this is the group I care about. I, I care about the opinions of, of people who come to things like this, and, and, and so that's why I asked Dallas and Rob, and Rob couldn't be here, but that's why I asked, do you guys want to do a, a session, and a kind of a half-serious session on vitriol and obscenity, and, and where's the line? So... What are your thoughts? And and just as maybe a guiding set of questions to get things started, when you're reading opinion pieces, whether it's the news or whether it's bloggers or whatever blurry line in between, what uh, what appeals to you? What makes somebody more persuasive? What starts to turn you off a little bit? I've had very dear friends say, hey, I really like what you're saying, but your approach is a little off-putting, and I think your message is being lost. And, you know, they may be... Right, and I don't think anybody should worry that we're going to take anything personally. No. Yeah, pretty thick, no, thick skin. I... So, in a general way, uh, what draws you into to uh, to somebody else's argument or information? What what do you find off putting, and what do you think is appropriate or not appropriate for educators in general? That's our part. The rest of it is you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think the one of the things that, that pushes me away is when it's very clearly just political talking points that you can see through from a mile away. Mm -hmm. When it's really true and and good stuff, that pulls me in. If I start reading again, if I start reading and I can just see through what it is, I don't. I, mean, that's, I get that out of work. I don't need that in a blog that I'm going to seek out and read. So, so you feel like you can tell when it's genuine. Right. I mean, from somebody that knows. I say I enjoy the humor, um, and but I love that that it's research based. It's not just spouting a bunch of just opinion. You guys take the time to to go through and find the research and and, and make the links and say dig into it deeper. And isn't that what we're all wanting our kids to do anyway? Is you know. <laughs> 
Literacy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there sometimes we have an advantage as bloggers over people who write for like an editorial page in a newspaper because you can't you can't put a link in a newspaper, you know. Right. And and I and I think that that's something that gives us a depth that they can't have. And I, I disagree with the content of a lot of editorials, but I also understand they are writing in a format that's very different than what what I get to do. And and so I like I mean it. That appeals to my creative side, but also my, my curiosity. And, and like you're saying, Amy, you know, we put links in there to the, the to the data, to the events. Um, but I can also tell you on my blog, uh, if I get a, if I have a, a post that has a thousand page views, those links have been hit maybe ten or fifteen times. Right. So you know, it, it's almost like when I when I link to something. The readers say, "Well, he linked to it, so it must be true." And, and I wish they would do more exploring on their own, because because I shouldn't be, shouldn't, I shouldn't be seen as a repository of facts. Maybe they did in the beginning, and they know that Maybe. you have posted truth. You built that reputation regularly. I mean, there's yeah. there's five or six bloggers in the Oklahoma that you kind of like. Okay, I've met you, you know, in person, or we've interacted enough over the last couple of years that okay, I, I kind of know where you were going to be going before I ever opened this up. And I get a lot of interaction, and some of it, not like in the comments or you know on Twitter. Some of it's uh, Twitter messages, mm -hmm. you know. So back, you know, back channel communication from people who don't agree with me, <coughs> but they appreciate the fact that I'm at least linking to things. Um, uh, and I like that. I like that mm -hmm. kind of communication because I don't, I don't want a thousand people reading my blog and a thousand people agreeing with me. I'd like it to be more. Like I do. <laughs> I would like blindless. Uh, following, blind following, if at all possible. You know, but, um, yeah, oh, okay, okay, Wes is pulling it up back here. Um, Which one you I'm trying to think, it was, it was probably a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago when all of that started with the, um, uh, just search middle ground, middle earth, something, I don't know. I have a question for both of you. Yes, ma'am. Um, when you are writing, do you um, title after you're done, or do you title before? Because you guys are both amazing in your titles, your approach, like the haiku you do in, like that, that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, that had like 400 page views. Um, <laughs> that sucks. Sometimes you write, and you're like, this sounds really good. Or Monday when we had the presentation from actual, you know, the actual people who did the sit-in at Cat's Drugstore in 1958, you know, and I wrote about that, and I get 400 page views. And I'm like, this is one of the best days of my career, and definitely a better professional day than Thursday was, you know. And and, and I want more people energized by. I'm on stage with civil rights heroes, you know, who were children when they were doing this, you know. But yeah, you know, that for me, that one. Uh, came later. The title came after. Sometimes the title comes before. It just depends. I usually have a title when I start, and then when I find out what I'm actually saying by the time it's done. You'll sometimes notice, and I've noticed uh, Hazelwood's not in here, but his blog will do this. You'll see there's the title, but then if you look up in the URL, you can tell that I had a much different title at one time. I could do that. I could put hidden messages in the URL. I haven't really thought about that. <laughs> Next level. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be kind of fun. So yeah, haiku you doing was one where there was just a whole lot going on, 
and I just and and I, I don't think I'd written a haiku since maybe sixth grade, and um, and I probably inflicted that on my middle school kids at some point twenty years ago or more. But uh, it was um, I just thought you know instead of actually writing blogs about all of these separate issues, I'll write a haiku for each one, and and that one might have gotten six hundred page views, but it was you know it was just uh, it was just kind of a way to spit out some some energy and some frustration. And I think I made a comment about middle ground in there too. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, there was there was, there it is right there. Mm -hmm. Apparently, this was my response to the second middle ground article calling us hypocrites. Middle ground news whines, do I intimidate you? Seriously, dude. <laughs> um, so I can be snarky. I, But it is a compliment in some, in a way, for okay. the, I don't know. It's good for attention. It's How many people do you think read blogs today? Oh, well, yeah. You think it's over 50%? <laughs> I oh, I don't I, think so. I think it's still I think a minority. It's still small. I think it's still small. And if you look at, at the very limited voice that we've had as educators and the dominant voice that media outlets have had, um, I think this is a good conversation to have, but it's also just it's, it's good to be having it because it means people are paying attention. There's always the straw man when you get into an argument with somebody mm -hmm. that they're going to want, hey, let's talk about this, instead of talking about the actual issue. <clears throat> but I feel like making blogging and Twitter and social media from Oklahoma educators a part of the media diet that more people consume is a really good thing. And there'll be issues to kind of work through and, and navigate like this. But I don't know. I, I think... I, I love, yes. I think the big part is after they've read an editorial, they'll think, what did Grindle have to say about that? What did Blue, what did Blue Serial have to say about that? If the, if the next step is, huh, you know, if they start to question, hopefully we build this whole literacy thing in, in our kids where they go, huh, if something strikes a, a chord or if they go, what, what's, what's the story on this one or that's their take in an editorial, I think that's so important for them to go look here at these blogs and go, aha, this is coming from people who are actually doing it, not people who are talking about it. Well, Does that make sense? We started with, <clears throat> because they are not writers yet, um, some of them, even high schoolers, um, with the reading and using like standards like um, the speech, basically verbalizing your, your ideas, and now some of them are writing, and um, and it's really fun because they're responding to the things that you guys are saying, they're not linking, but you know, they're still responding to the things you guys are saying. So, but going back to the original question, where's the line? You know, we get called out for, um, I think you had some, you used uh, cartoon symbols to represent profanity. I use a few naughty words, but most I use... Little symbols. I, I, my most read post ever um, was actually guest written. Actually, my two my my two most clicked on uh, posts ever are both basically the work of Dan Vincent, who's a UCO professor. So that's really flattering that you know that I get my most traffic when I guest write. But um, but the most the, the most popular thing, thing I ever had on my blog it was a guest post from a from a pissed off parent that was the name of the post and i did get a few comments about you know uh, the language and i'm thinking well if you're not pissed off then you know and, and if you and if you're you know if your delicate sensibilities are going to be bothered by that term you probably shouldn't work in middle school or high school 
or some of the elementary schools that <laughs> lately where you have kid throwing a double bird up to the cafeteria saying suspend me you know second graders uh you know i mean you you have you know you know um and, and i'm not saying it's okay for uh for kids to, to do that but okay so do you have language that we would definitely suspend kids or give kids detention for at a minimum if they use it in our classrooms okay a lot of us would. <laughs> um but uh but what about when the professionals use it in their own personal time on their own personal blogs? Does that yeah, cross the line? What do you think? I have these conversations. I teach high school English. Um, first of all, we discuss know your audience is the first rule of writing. Mm -hmm. It sets the tone for everything. It sets your level of formality. But we also have conversations about when is the curse word the easy word and mm -hmm. when is it the correct word. And I have allowed my students to blog nothing we've posted publicly because I think administration would not be happy with me. But they know I'm their audience. They know classmates, potentially the audience. Is the curse word the right word? Or is it more easy word because you don't have better vocabulary? Sometimes it's the right word. When you're just outraged, as most of us are, about the state of our education in Oklahoma, what other word am I going to say but the F word? Right. I'm that angry. And I'm not going to be all name, name pain right. and say, gosh, I'm kind of ticked off. I'm kind of ticked off, guys. I'm not very happy. No, I'm going to drop it because you need to know how angry I am. Don't you think that the, the OPLED chat and, and what you guys have done has kind of almost held the, the mainstream media a little bit accountable for what they're saying? And they can't just go put anything out there because they know there's this other place that everybody's going now. I mean, not everybody, but a whole lot of people. What I'm trying to kind of hold them accountable. So then, when those people that are against you and don't want you doing it, if I think when when he started doing what he was doing, the fact that some of the more mainstream media didn't pick up on it and run a story about it says a lot about their respect for for you guys and for what you're doing because. Some of them would have if they thought that they could have been intimidated. <laughs> Do you guys tag the media? Not usually, but Kevin Ogle, I got to go on Flashpoint, which was really bizarre and an out-of-body experience. They're all so freaking tall. And uh, that's the effort, by the way. And, uh, and Kevin Ogle actually mentioned my blog when I was sitting there. I'm thinking, you really should run that at the bottom of the screen. It's like big, blinking letters. So that I get 500 when I write something that's really, you know, weird on her. Thursday, I got a, I, I got an email with a million dollar cut, nine hundred ninety-one thousand, at eight thirty in the morning, and by twelve thirty, I had we had the email about the four percent cut. Yeah. You better believe that my door was shut and I wasn't using middle ground news approved language. You know, I was. These are people's jobs. You know, and so my, I was raised on oil rigs. Uh, <laughs> I learned a lot of language that I can usually suppress, but sometimes. You know, sometimes, um, you know, I, sometimes I talk worse than this vulgarity. <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> you know, we have we have those moments, and and they don't, and you know, it's behind. Sometimes it's behind closed doors, and sometimes there are a couple of people who come in those doors and and see me like that. It, because you know, when I'm out in schools and and I'm looking at teachers who I know, I'm trying to protect their jobs. And the state seems almost indifferent to what's happening right now. Yeah, I'm pissed off that you can begin to describe it. I wouldn't say indifferent. I go with hostile. Okay. Can I tell uh, uh, some of you? Some of you old timers may remember 
back in the, I want to say the late 70s, there was a traveling evangelist, for those of you that grew up in the evangelical movement. And I want to say his name was like Tony Campola or something like that, big name guy. And one of his bits that he did, because this is before everything was on DVD and YouTube, so you could give the same speech a lot. He'd tell this story about a woman coming into the back of the church and all these needs and her life was falling apart and she was standing up talking to the church. And then she finishes by saying something to the effect of, and if Jay is hiding out here somewhere, cover. Uh, he'd say, in short, it's just been a really shitty week. And of course, the audience in these mega church gatherings, you know, horrified. And he'd say, and most of you are far more worried about the language she used than the fact that her whole life is falling apart. Even at 12 years old, I thought it was kind of a cheap way to make a point, but it stuck with me in, in, during this discussion in that I am concerned about alienating people with some of the language that I use. I'm not heartbroken, but I'm a little concerned about it. But I also think it's focusing on the wrong thing when we're worried about the adjectives that we're using to describe it and using that so that we don't have to talk about but what's really driving this is a very, oh, this is going to sound political, isn't it? That's not in the title, though. It's just vitriol and obscenities. Can we change it to vitriol politics? And if it's too late. Well, no, no, I got this schedule right here. What's really Republican debate this week, then. What's really driving a lot of the freaking G rated compared to those guys. What's really driving a lot of the reform movements is a very upper class, white, elitist, evangelical. I mean, it's, it's tax supported white flight. Is, is essentially what it is, quote unquote. So the fact that I may say, kiss my ass, or not say kiss my ass, really should be secondary to all of the kids that are being told that by elected representatives. So, but I'm I, did you? Yeah, go on. So a couple thoughts about emotion and digital citizenship. So the times that I have written on my blog, and not really Twitter as much, but blog, when I have felt emotional are some of the, the bad mistakes that I have made. But with all of this, you're kind of living in a constant state of emotion. But I think this is such an important conversation for us to have as adults and for us to have with students with digital citizenship. We're bringing um, Carl Hooker to our school at the end of, uh, of uh, March uh, to the Cassidy School. He does iPad Palooza. He's the tech director in Eanes ISD. They've been iPads for like five years. <clears throat> We're going to engage in this conversation about digital citizenship, which isn't just don't be stupid and post drinking pictures online. It's also about your footprint, mm -hmm. what people find. Um, I was just watching a video last night. I don't know if you all know about DS106, DS106 for Digital Storytelling 106, one of the most innovative classes anybody's done. <clears throat> and part of what they encourage is for you to have a footprint online, for you to have a domain name. So that when people Google you, it's not like LinkedIn, you know, people's contact with you and your ideas isn't being mediated by a company that is making you the product. You know, you are being assertive and you are putting yourself out there and then, you know, you have an opportunity to share ideas and share things. So, you know, I used, I guess did cuss a lot more when I was younger. I've kind of stopped doing that usually. Um, I, 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 had a, I had a lull when my kids were, you know, in single digit ages, and as they became teenagers, and they're, they're about 20, 18 and 16, it spiked again, which also could coincide, coincide with my career. One of the things that's so interesting about the online environment is, like, we talk about audience, you don't know, I don't know the audience coming. And, and I walk a line, because I have a Christian blog that I've separated, not because I'm embarrassed of that, but because... I don't want to be inhibited in sharing that, yeah. and so I have a different channel it's for different doing thing. that. But 
it, it, there's, there's an interesting thing to kind of walk. Go ahead. It's on the internet. It could be anybody. So well, I need to think, if someone found this, if one of my students found this, right. would I be ashamed of it? That's my cultural. Oh, opinion. absolutely. That's an interesting and point. And usually I, I'm not, I'm okay with it. No, but you're pretty, you're pretty open book. I am pretty open. But, I mean, I hadn't thought about it from a faith perspective because I think that people should always be, I think people should should always be proud of their faith and proud of their heritage and proud of who they are. And and if that's an important part of you, part one of the arguments that, that Jay Chilton made on, on Middle Ground News was that I can't separate who I am from my job. And so even though I write a blog that's separate from my job, people still see, yeah, but you're the Middell superintendent. So... You know, it, it's like you're, you're you're saying everybody has to believe this or they're fired. Well, if you've ever worked for me, you know that's not really how I do things. I don't I don't want to surround myself with people who just say yes all the time. And I'm trying to break people of that right now because I think that they I think that the natural thing when you get a new boss is to expect that that you know he wants to you know have people disagree with him all the time. Well, I don't. Um, I encourage dissent, but but. You know, I would. It wouldn't be appropriate for a teacher to stand up in front of class and 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 say, "Here's my personal testimony about my relationship with Jesus Christ." That would be appropriate in a classroom because because now, I mean, not only is it possible that not all of your students are Christian, they're not all the same kind of Christian. And I mean, I mean, you're, that's a big old line. But if you have that on a blog outside of school, there's absolutely not a thing in the world wrong with that. And I'm not saying that our right to profanity is the same as your right to faith. I mean, but I guess from a First Amendment sense, it is, right? The social media landscape kind of makes us... it. In the, we didn't have to make these kind of decisions and choices because <clears throat> you would choose the context. And if you were at church or you were at, you know, behind the door at work or at home, the public nature of the Internet and the ways in which people intersect it present different challenges to us because you don't necessarily know when people are going to intersect with you and if that's going to be how they're going to they're going to know you i, I don't have the citation for this but there was a, a gentleman uh an african-american pastor who uh a number of years ago before youtube um went on uh like 60 minutes or nbc news or something and they had talked about how, depending on the audience, if he was talking to a predominantly African-American, you know, like a gospel church, like his presentation is different than in a rotary club for a predominantly, you know, white group. But like being on mainstream media, it made him choose. And then he got known. And I don't even, I'll find out what this is and put it out there. But it, that whole idea, I don't know, I wrestle with that because like I am not three different people. I'm one person, but I have some, you know, strong opinions, strong views, and so I have different channels for doing that, mm -hmm. and I haven't intersected as much with this because um, I'm having to navigate how I'm going to be politically active yeah. in my current I role. I think but you are representing, you know, yourself when you are writing. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, I'm going to associate you with Middell schools, and so when you put that out there on the line for... You know, whoever to read it, I mean, you're representing, I mean, that's what I always tell my teachers, I'm like, when you go and put this out there on social media for the entire world to see, make sure that it's the representation that you want, you know, your students to see, your parents to see, you want that to be, you know, something that you're truly proud of professionally, personally, I mean, all of that. And I apply different filters than I did maybe a year ago at this time. And, and two years ago, when I was still writing anonymously, that was a whole different filter, you know. And, and on, on that whole deal, 
when I finally went to my boss and more and said, hey, by the way, Robert, I know you guys have been writing this blog for two plus years. <laughs> and he... Um, what was this? What, was, what did he say? Well, I can't say it because... I wouldn't want to put those words in his mouth, but... Um, Let's just say it's safe to say he was laughing his ass off. Um, anyway, and then before I, I came out for want of a better term there, you know, and said, Hi, I, I write this blog, uh, I have a name. Um, I got his permission and I asked him, Do you mind if I continue doing this? And he said, Man, you do what you're doing. And and um, and I you know, I did want to make sure that the boss didn't have a problem with it. I have an employer. And, and that employer has expectations of me. I can live with that. Which, just so you know, and I told Rob the same thing, um, because we do associate you. I mean, it was more then, but now it's Middell um, and an administrator. I think it it, be, it feels a little more liberating mm -hmm. from a teacher or you know some other not higher up position to be able to say what we want to say. And, I, mean, I mean, seriously, thank you. And, but but and there are consequences to sure. free speech. Sure. And this is an important thing yeah. for all of us to recognize. Um, and I'm not going to tell. There's stories I can tell uh, about things. I didn't know I was going to burn certain bridges okay. because when I said things because an audience. And some of this stuff didn't even get said directly to me. In fact, most of it didn't. You know, I heard about it through other folks. So this is an important digital citizenship lesson. There are things worth saying. Okay, and like even on the testimony side of that stuff, like maybe there's places I'm not going to do workshops or maybe people are, I don't know. You, you, there's a lot of things that you don't know, but we do have more, well, we have a lot more free speech than they do in Syria or they do in Egypt or there's, you know, it's good for us to exercise this. I think, in fact, it's one of the most important things for us to be doing is voting and exercising free speech. And if we look at, you know, these intractable problems around the world. But there are consequences to it. Mm -hmm. And earlier in my blogging experiences, I, um, I wasn't coached on that. And I don't know that I thought enough about the consequences because, yes, I can say this. And I'm not just talking about political stuff. There's even stuff with, like, technology with I, – I said netbook many times in 2009, and that made some people really angry at me. Um, because you're supposed to be digitally agnostic. I was actually expected to be a – fan of one thing uh, and it had consequences in that environment because I was saying hey maybe we could you know have in more or less expensive things and give them to more you kids wore a Pepsi shirt on Coke yeah <laughs> yeah and the Coke people said you're out the most um, obscene thing that I've seen in 23 years in education is after the tornado and more and I don't bring it up often um, the way the previous state superintendent treated our district, and I won't give specific examples, but I have many, and more obscene than anything I have ever said or written, more, way more obscene, um, and you know, it's, it's um, um, in a situation like that, to have our teachers and kids treated as props, oh, that was way, way more obscene than, than, than what we can do, and we try. <laughs> let me, let me ask, in, in, in Sorted to both those points, but in terms of consequences, because I think that's a for for you guys, especially those of you that haven't haven't had any much to, to say yet. Does it change the effectiveness of something you're reading if it says something in a shocking or inappropriate way? And for context, I hope it's okay that I share this. One of the private conversations. The answer is no. Okay, we yeah. can go on to the next one. Yeah. <laughs> 
one of the early conversations Rick and I had at some point, he, I forget what you were frustrated but but it, I remember a direct message from him saying, I wish I could just say things, you know, such and such plainly. I said, but you can't because you're legit, right? He's, he's, he's this voice of knowledge and I mean, I'm not to get all schmoozy. But he, he has this with great power comes <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility sort of thing. When your when your failing posts hit roughly what my four four hundred people looked at this for an average of eight seconds, yay! You know, and I'm just thrilled. No, no, it's fine. But refresh, refresh. It changed yeah, yeah. Mom, don't look at that post again. Mom, keep clicking. Um, yeah. But but it does it, to 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 if you started filling everything with, with f bombs and naked pictures, would it detract from? I have to think. Well, there's a point it detracts from credibility. Mm -hmm. So what I'd like to ask is, when does it start detracting from what you're saying? Don't you think to some degree it starts? It, it kind of depends on on people like the middle ground guy mm -hmm. and how yeah. much traction he gets with what he's saying because it it you know de depending on the post and depending what happens. And who bites on it, it could go from very influential to a crash and burn that causes us all kinds of trouble. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Depending on how other people react to it. So it kind of depends. Not that you want to, you know, tailor your blog around what this guy thinks. Right. Can, can I throw one thing out there? Uh, who wrote, uh, I think it was yesterday, about um, the state of his school and how the, the legislature is going to crap. Who did that? The Western Heights guy? Yeah. That was like last week. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. I don't know what day it is. It, you know, everybody. Today's Saturday. Everybody was. Yeah, that went national. Yeah. 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 It was a great letter, but there was that one thing in there. The when he mentioned the Michelle Obama breakfast and lunches aren't filling their bellies. I feed your kids. You know, and and that that flipped off a lot of people that would have been with you know, why, why the hell are you getting mad at what's Sorry, see, there we go. Why are you getting mad at Michelle Obama when the school is taking the time to feed it? And that guy right there, it's an image. Oh, this one. Yeah, this is a great letter. It was a great letter, and you're right. right because I, it's that one thing that just went, you know what? Great, great, great. Uh huh. Yeah. Great, great. And then you look down at the comment, it's just like, Great, great, but you know why? Why mention this at all? So, so I guess what I'm what I'm saying in a blog: if you're killing it, if you're like, boom, the legislature is doing this, boom, the leadership is doing this, boom, boom, why why drop something in the middle? I understand that you're angry. That might derail half your readers. right. Where you're just gonna go? What did you have? You know that kind of thing. I don't know. That's when you send important. it to someone and say, "Can you read this?" <laughs> I did. Okay. Are we expected to be perfect? That's the thing. So here's here's here is a vital thing to know. Here's a vital thing to know. Uh, I actually stopped re-listening this book. I, I learned you can return books on Audible if you just say, I don't like this. There was a book about shaming and about, you know, the, uh, lots of stories. There was the woman who, who tweeted something, uh, got on a flight to South Africa or something, and by the time she landed, it was the number one trending thing, and all of the hate and talk about vitriol. And they were stalking the airport for her. Okay, so any of us, any of us are this far away from being on Reddit, which is read by thousands and thousands of folks and, and things get amplified, 
when, when President Obama did his speech to, to students and they didn't want to share that uh, for kids, I checked my daughter out that year uh, so she could see it at home. We posted a little response video and it had over 200,000 views, but you know, the, the comments and stuff, it was so negative. There was a, a high school student in Kansas about two years ago who went on a tour of the state capitol and she tweeted on the bus going back to her school something about the governor and then that that became viral uh, yeah, and, and yeah. yeah and so it is important you know we talk we, we laugh about not this many views and in my you know who's, oh, who's sure. doing it but any Anytime. one of any one of us could be picked up quickly yeah. like at the speed of light the speed of thought well and and we could be subject to shaming or not shaming we could be subject just to hate you know which kind of this sort of fits into that i mean we the negative like a negative Spotlight can be put on us. I and, think and, 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 and there are dozens of readers too. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. Well, sometimes we can overreact too. I and mean, when we give lots of attention to that, we then we amplify that instead of another yeah. message. There were two. There were two people that. So you had something, or is the moment Angel passed? Basically, okay. I'm not a teacher. No don't attack. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You're good. Uh, I'm glad you're here. here. I'm trying to be a science teacher. Yeah, go team. But, in Oklahoma. In Oklahoma, yes. But, and the, and the point of me right now is, who cares? Say what you want to say. If somebody doesn't want to read it, but they get hurt from it, we'll tell them not to read it. Amen. And it, the whole thing is, now, okay, you don't have to make a Quentin Tarantino post where every other word is. <laughs> you know, just copy and paste. See how many F words, F bombs you can put in it, because then you are degrading your own information you're trying to put. But I do like But I like <laughs> But if you have an eloquently placed whatever in the middle of it, then it's an emphasis. It's a way to say, you know what, I am tired of it. Here's my one. And move on and proceed with what you're trying to say. But guess what? If somebody cares, I'm sorry, who cares? Yeah. That's the bottom line is stop being so soft. You take it across the backside and just call it a day. Angel, yeah. your hand is on. I know you can't. I have not read your blog, but what I do. You get 401. I do read things online, I guess usually what the line is for me about, I guess, how much vulgarity I can tolerate in a piece isn't about. Like what words they use, but like whether or not it like furthers their argument, or if their argument is centered around their feelings. The whole thing is, my feelings are important, and I'm angry. Mm -hmm. Then I'm less inclined to be like, "You're valid." Like, of course, your feelings are important because you're grumpy, and everyone's grumpy. But if it's like kind of with uh, what we we're talking about with the this letter, mm -hmm. when he mentions you know the Michelle Obama lunch, like, yeah. he grumpy with Michelle Obama, but that does not further his argument. It doesn't yeah. really like yeah. at the very end. You're not like. And now we know, like, the problem with our schools is that Michelle Obama gave them... His, his English teacher would have circled that paragraph and yeah. said, not relevant to the rest this of the speech. Yeah, like, yeah. there's this right. interruption flow. But well, I think that's important to When, I, when I try and write, sorry. I mean, when I try and write, I, I try to... This is legend Scott Hazelwood. He's yeah, I don't know about legend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Blue Cyril over here is up to like 401. I'm trucking along at like 12. So um, four of those are me because I keep forgetting where <laughs> <laughs> it is. But I try and think about um, I, I do try and think about that way. Like, you know, when I'm specifically grumpy about something, am I... Who, who does it need to be directed at? And, and it's not... Michelle Obama's fault that some food issues happen. I mean, I guess right. that sort of is, but the issue is more local than that, right? Right. And so, I, and I also try really hard to make sure I offer suggestions, even though they may be no good. 
Um, I try and put suggestions. Your post is a lot more positive and to do this. I got called out a couple of years ago for, by somebody, maybe it, was, maybe it was about a year ago, by somebody who's saying, I know what you're against, what are you for? Okay, well, I'm, a, I'm against VAM, I'm for not having VAM. <laughs> I'm okay, but that right there is a collaborative book that we should write together for the legislators to say, here's how we can actually encourage innovation and you know, promote creativity and student achievement, but not just school as it's been done, but school as it can be done. I don't think legislators, maybe I'm naive, but I don't think they know what that looks like. And I feel like that we are the best people to write that. And we are trying to inform that, but. Use small words. But I think that's where the vitriol comes in because we're not allowed to have that opportunity. We're being. We're not allowed to have agency in how our profession goes. No. Our profession is being dictated by people who had the crappy third grade teacher and they're a man or a woman on a mission. And and I truly feel like, this may anger some folks in here, I feel like they do want to do what's best. But when they're telling us how to do education best, they're not asking us to participate. And that's what bothers me more than anything. It's why we need a populist uprising in order to take back our democracy. Sorry, but that's true. Because if we don't, if, if, if we don't assert the, the constitutional rights that we have to participate in the political process, to express our voices, and to elect or not elect people that represent our positions, I, I, I believe this is a, a part of all of what's going on, is we're developing tribes and we're, we're creating channels and we're amplifying other folks and a big part of this is because the ways in which things have been communicated in the past have been very tightly controlled and only certain elites have been able to to do that and I think that social media and being able to share our, our perspectives and bringing more people into that media diet is a it's a long is a long-term thing I'll directly answer your question for me I I don't follow people who cuss on Twitter and I sometimes will read stuff that has profanity, and I haven't stopped reading you guys. Um, but as a story, there's a, a, a friend of mine who uh, was in Silicon Valley. He didn't graduate from Oklahoma City, but he's he raised $350 million in a funding round on a Bitcoin thing that he did. He's a super smart kid. He's about to be 20. <clears throat> but I tweeted him about a year ago because he had some profanity in his Twitter byline. And I said, student, well, friend, um, you really got to take that off because yeah. you just never know who's going to be seeing your profile and people are going to make decisions or they're going to make judgments about you. I do. I look at everybody's Twitter profile and if someone's a teacher, an educator, I'm probably going to follow them. Um, and, and I do follow other people too. But anyway, I, people are going to intersect with this differently and there's different cultures in the world, right? Yeah. There's different. I mean, when I'm out of the maintenance bar and talking to our guys, but that is a different language culture as far as expression than it is when I'm with our headmaster and you know well, and there's a talking to the board. In dropping it in a blog, uh, and then when you post it on Twitter saying "fuck you," you know, uh, there's a I difference. Don't know. I don't know. We want to say there's a difference, but like I said, I it's hard because you don't know what people are going to see, and some people are going to see one thing about you, and then be like. Well, Do you remember when we were kids and we'd see our, our teachers at the grocery store and that just totally freaked us out because they, they have those pants too, you know? And, and I mean, I feel like our blog is our kids are, you know, the outside world getting to see us, you know, differently. You know, there's certain hills I will die on. 
And if I wrote a blog called Dumbass Reasons to Justify Murder, and it was about Tamir Rice. And I am okay with everybody seeing that I cursed because I was upset and I was angry. And some of my students have read that blog. I'm sure their parents have probably seen it. I don't make it a secret. I don't publicize it, but I don't make it a secret. And then I put a link out through my Twitter. There are just certain things. Thank you. Yes, right there. JamWillTeach.com. <laughs> I did use an asterisk. Look, wasn't that nice? I censored myself. Dumb. But if I'm going to... there's. When you're given much responsibility, or when you're given much freedom, you do have a lot of responsibility. To who much is given, much is required. Yeah. But for certain issues like social justice and equity, yeah. I will die on that hill and I will go down personally. Sometimes you need to use strong language. Yeah. But if you taught elementary school, you might rethink. Not, not you, but well, a normal person. You know me. Might, a normal yeah. person. If you taught elementary school, we might ask you to rethink. <laughs> Since uh, <laughs> I mean, it's yours and torches, I get run out of are we, time. Are we supposed to be done at ten fifteen? No, we have an hour. You would think Wes would know our schedule. We have an hour, ten thirty. Well, well then, you know, we can, got I, can I quickly throw in? Oh, did you go ahead? I have one last thing, but I do kind of think it's what everybody is saying is like, what is your target audience? Like, who are you really gearing towards? Are you gearing towards? Like, and I think demographics goes into it because you're never going to offend me with your Christmas, but obviously you're going to offend Wes. Like, and I would never use Christmas because he's kind of like my idol. And like, and so I've like learned all my stuff from him. So I would never put anything out there that I didn't want my elementary kids to see. But it depends on who are you targeting? Are you targeting like, I don't know, 20 to 30 year olds, you know, or are you targeting, you know, but but realize that audience that audience can change. You have a target audience, but well, there's your intended audience, and then there's your accident. It's like unintended consequences. Oh, I didn't intended audience. It's different. Yeah. My first blog post four years ago. I don't even know who I was targeting. I was just mad. And in one of the things that I used to teach to my kids as an English teacher was. You know, you know, writing is cathartic and journaling and crap like that. I mean, um, it's, it's valuable, <laughs> but it is. Truth like that. You know, and and so I wrote this post, and I and I had tons and tons and tons of figures in it, and it's almost unreadable. There was so much data in it right now, but this is also when I'm in the middle of my dissertation, so that's how I'm writing. And it was cathartic to get it all out there, and and so I really didn't have an audience in mind. I think I was trying to impress Claudia Swisher because I wanted her to put it on her blog because I didn't want to write a blog. I didn't want. I don't want to be a blogger. Very simple. I don't want to be a pirate. And uh, and so then, then when people started responding, that told me who my audience was. And so I started writing towards them, and then. I realized there's a whole lot that teachers don't see right. about education. And I get these memos from the State Department all the time that are insane. And just this morning I posted uh, uh, the news release from uh, Superintendent Hoffmeister asking the governor for $56 million in supplemental funding. And I just checked, that's over 500 pages this morning. And it has like 10 of my words and then a memo from the state superintendent. Um, but. But four years ago, teachers weren't seeing these news releases that came from the State Department of Education, and some of them were blistering us. The State Department of Education was telling us how much we sucked. And so you put those out there with no commentary at the top, and people would, would say, wow, this is it's amazing that the state superintendent says that, thinks that about us. And, and then I would throw, oh, by the way, here's a page full of mandates, and this is just my... 
This is just the mandates I have for this month as an, as an, edu as, as an administrator, and people would be going crazy. You know, just seeing how much the state requires us to do on top of teaching, and the feds requires us to do on top of teaching. And, and, I, and I think, so I think my audience shifted to anybody who cares about the nonsense that's being thrust upon us. Whether, you know, and, and, and almost every one of those ideas came from somebody who had good intentions. I, be, I believe that. Misguided people with good intentions. And, and you know, but it's, it's um, and, and so that kind of became my target audience. Uh, I, I had a lot of parents early on. Melissa Abdo was one from James um, who um, responded to what I was writing early on. And, and so parents are wanting to know more about why is school like this? Why do I want to pull my kids out of public schools? And it's not because of the people who work there. And and so my audience shifted and, and I've become more cognizant of that. I feel like now as a superintendent, I'm I am writing for my board, who by the way mentioned it in my interview, both rounds of my interviews. This is part of the reason I got this job, I believe, which I did I thought was gonna probably hurt me career wise. But yay mid dog. And, um, and and I know there are a lot of people in Middell who've never even heard of my blog. A lot of teachers who work for us have never heard of my blog, and that's fine. But that's that's my target audience right now, and so it 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 shifts. You're building the plane as you fly it with this. As far as we are figuring this out, none of us got to go to school and learn. Here's how we are going to safely craft a digital footprint that's going to professionally help us. There's all these lessons that I, I appreciate you openly sharing this and. I've, I believe we want to encourage more teachers and administrators to tell their story, more schools to tell their story. And I think it's really important that people don't get scared off the web because you read that book by Ronson about shaming, which I don't recommend, but got into, well, we'll even talk about what I eventually got into, but there's, there is a lot of dark stuff. The darkness is all around us, right? And there are people that, if you just focus on that, you get really scared. The shameless plug, we're going to do a digital sharing conference uh, the first weekend of November next year um, at our school. And these are all channels. And I think having a channel, you guys each have a channel where you're you're sharing. Not everybody's going to want to, to go to that level. I mean, just what you said uh, about starting off writing. It's good to write. You know, not everybody's a writer. So maybe you do a podcast or maybe you have a video channel or do something else. I think it's really important that we encourage and support other teachers who are doing this and that we help navigate these issues together. Because, I mean, the last thing any of us wants is for something negative to blow up and then, oh my gosh, you know, I've fired, or I'm, I lost my job, or, you know, I burned this bridge. But some bridges are worth burning. And when it comes to advocacy, these are decisions for us to make too, professionally. And if you're early in your career, that's gonna look different than if you're later in your career. And if you're a superintendent, that's different than perhaps. <laughs> yeah. There are well, Dallas commented one time on mine. I originally was blogging about math and flip class, and, and then Dallas tweeted me one time. was like, you don't know what you're going to get if you get on this blog these days. I mean, so I have, you know, like, my, my channel is every channel. Like, right. you know, I don't have whatever's on your mind. It's like whatever class I'm in, that's what I see a lot of. Yeah. I got a lot of responses when I wrote about the death of Glenn Fry of the Eagles. You know, yeah. that was yeah. five. You know, it's not uh, over four hundred. Huh? Over four hundred. It was nearly five. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to do a house for our own girls. Hey, listen, listen. 
I think we need to allow for our own growth. We're not the same person we were a year ago, Amen. two years ago, Amen. five years ago. And what we write is going to be there unless we take it down or unless somebody figures out a way or raise it. It's going to be there forever. So you want your writing to be something that you can be proud of, even if it, you have to come back and say, you know what, I've changed my mind about that because I learned more. If we stop yeah. learning or if we stop being able to accept a different point of view, then we're just kind of in the wrong profession altogether. We need to be able to reflect on that even when you when you take a stand and you are willing to die for this. But right now, this is because this is my perception of, of uh, reality as it is. And tomorrow, I may have another different piece of the yeah. puzzle that makes my whole perspective shift. I agree. And that should be okay. Yes. Uh, I always looked at blogging as more of a, a stream of consciousness and yes. not like the not cleaned up, platform. published, you know what I mean? Right. But and as as the peon, you know, it was neat to, when we moved to Oklahoma from a couple years ago, for me to scope out the blogs and scope out, because I'll tell you what, it made a difference on where I applied. Because... I mean, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to go to bat against some families. We're gonna have to deal with, you know, legislation. We're gonna have to. Okay, I need to know that I can have an idea of what direction you're my boss. Where are you gonna go? Like, I need to be able to count on you. I mean, I need to be able to where are your boundaries so that I can work within them or push this one or that one. My boundaries are don't brag about your kids on social media ever, ever, ever. Agreed. Ever. That's a, that's a, and that's a or the, or their parents. Because you, yeah. you know, the kids, you know, it, your kids come from home lives that we can't understand. But what does it say about the lives their parents have? So I mean, I, that's those are the those don't ever gripe about your your your, your kids or parents. That, that's my pretty much only boundary. I mean, I guess don't you know? You know, I wish the teacher down the hall was more professional. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, there's specifics. Yeah. yeah. Well, and honestly, it's a turnoff. I mean, yeah, it is. That's not teacher, fun to read. A teacher that says, I cannot, I mean, spring break can't get here fast enough. Is, yeah. I'm like, eh. I, I, I mean, I, I can relate to that feeling. I can relate, I can to, relate to the feeling, of course, but it's just Never more <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll throw out a couple quick confessionals since the topic of, of throwing off your audience like the Michelle Obama crack. Two of, two of the ditches that I fall in, I still do this, and I'm, I'm learning. Yeah, I don't learn quickly, so... Um, I, I come out of a I come out of a, a of a right wing evangelical background. I'm a, I got into teaching to set history straight, put God back in early America, Rush Limbaugh calling, you know, sort of thing back in the day. <laughs> then I started learning history, and it didn't all line up the way that I know. Um, and so I get very I, I tend to take jabs at, at Republicans in general. Well, problem is most of the allies that we have in our legislature in our legislature are. Our Republicans. Joy, I always forget, is a Republican. I forget that because she's well spoken and has a conscience. She's well spoken and she has an effing conscience. All right, that's why. <laughs> it's the name of the session! <laughs> yeah, that's why she didn't come this week. But, but so I have, I have been called out on that several times in very professional, polite ways, and I've had to say, you're right, absolutely right. The problem is not Republicans in general, the problem is this sliver of leadership, and so I'm trying to be more specific. The other ditch I fall into while we're dealing with ESAs and vouchers and all of this is I had a nice lady on Facebook who I don't actually know, 
who called me out about some of the stuff I said about uh, vouchers, and she gave a little short version of our daughter this, and we, she went to Holy Trinity. I didn't know the school. What would you know? What would you suggest we do? And I realized she's not the enemy. She's just a mom trying to raise her kids. So I had to say, you know what? I have I have shot too broad of a of a of a. Of a I'm losing my metaphor. The parents who support vouchers are not our enemies. They're not the bad guys. They're just trying to, to help their kids. Yeah. I don't trust political leadership. Yeah. But I'm not mad at the parents. I'm not mad at the private schools. One of my good friends that teaches at a private Christian school in Tulsa is very kind not to say anything most of the time, other than to occasionally snarkily remind me. She goes, well, don't forget, you're not allowed to talk to me anymore because, you know, I'm taking all the money from your little... Children, you know, I said, well, no, you're okay. You are, but, but not, um, and so those are the two ditches. Cause I know the rest of my point gets lost when people hit that and they go, wait a second. You know, I'm just, you're just like those Chicago teacher unions. We're not going to talk to you anymore. <laughs> you know, the screechy, chanty, uh, annoying teachers. I don't want to be that. I think the worst my blog ever was, um, back when Barisi was running for re-election, and I called out quite a few of the people who worked for her at the State Department. This was a bad hire, this was a bad hire, a lot of them. One of those people reached out to me one time uh, through email, and this is when I was still writing an anonymously, and was talking about how much that, that hurt, and gave a lot of specific reasons why, and, and it made me feel like a bully. And that's not what I ever intended to be. And we actually developed a pretty good friendship for a while out of that. And, and we, you know, we're both, I mean, not, not like, hey, let's get an Hermes and get a burger kind of friends, but, uh, but I would. Um, and, and, and as a very interesting person, it, I still feel like it was a bad hire in the way it was handled. But all that aside, I went after the wrong people sometimes. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with going after people who put their names on a ballot and are intentionally wrecking public education. I feel like that's always fair game. But the people that they hire, I mean, some some of them, you know, might be the state finance director. So some of those I think yeah. are still fair, fair game. Dorfluger is fair game. Yes, or something like that. Yeah. Yes. Rick didn't say that. I didn't say that. I said yes, though. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I and, and occasionally... I, I wrote something that unintentionally hurt a friend of mine um, who works at the State Department now a few weeks ago, and she called me out on it and said, you know, this is this is the work I do. Why did you say that? And I said, I didn't mean it that way. And she said, but Rick, you're so good with words. <coughs> you must have meant it. I'm like, I'm like oh, yeah, I really am. <laughs> but no, I mean, I felt bad because... It did come out wrong. No matter how much I write, it's there's still going to be those moments where things come out wrong, mm-hmm. and I feel like crap because I because I missed the mark. It hit somebody I care about, or mm-hmm. hit somebody who, you know, is not hurting us. Right. You know, so is not in the they that hates us. So it, it you know it's it's there are, there are just moments like that where I realize um, I don't do this as well as sometimes people tell me I do, and that's and that's kind of. I think it's important to remember. That's yeah. the humanity of it. Yeah, it is. Agreed. We're coming up. Again. You guys offended the mess out of me. Sorry about that. But you called me on it. I have called you. And I'm fine with it. And that. I love you. You got three minutes. Uh, three minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes. Three minutes. Okay. Uh, I do work for a charter school. <laughs> 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 but it's a public charter school, and we've never denied admittance to anybody and we've got over 6,000 children and I know that you're not 
talking to me anymore. But early on, <laughs> early on, I really did feel. I was like, damn it, it's not that bad. Sorry, darn it, it's not that bad. But I know, I know there's a difference. And um, I have too many friends who work at charter schools to to ever say I'm anti-charter. It's it's um, the comparisons between charter and traditional public ed that have always bothered me. And I do think early on I was very bad at articulating that. Yeah. Well, well, something we didn't say to start, and maybe we'll say it at, at lunch. You know, we are open Ed Camp OKC, Ed Camp General to everybody. This isn't just a public school thing. This isn't just an Oklahoma City thing. Like, I think it's wonderful we can intersect with folks who are walking different walks and be able to talk about stuff because that doesn't doesn't happen en enough, perhaps, in social media and outside. Agreed. And I th I think that. It is so important for us to try and help shape public perception about what innovative education looks like now because we have places where it's happening and we have a lot of folks that are, are just thinking back to their own experiences and I don't know, that intersects with this at some level as far as social media because yes, some of your blog posts are because you want to write this and you're just speaking out of, you know, I'm in grad school or I'm doing this, but, but some of it is to be advocates and to, and yeah. to, and to, and to reach an audience and I, I think puzzling that together and then figuring out how do we how do we do that effectively it, it, it's connected to this because there is that I want to express this emotion and I want to say it in this way but there's also this advocacy agenda that after that emotion perhaps has subsided some right. you know you want things to change on the ground Absolutely. and how do we do that together I think, I think that's the beauty of, of what we're doing here and what you're doing online and what other bloggers are doing online is we're giving giving a wider voice to this audience. Or sorry, we're giving a, a, a voice to a wider audience that's been quieted. Yeah, it's been purposefully quieted. And we're expanding the media diet. We're ex trying to expand media diets so that we're not just going online to the traditional outlets. And you know that there are folks who are fact-checking stuff that really matters because... We need more of that. Thank you, guys. I don't actually get called out on my facts very often. That, that feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And even before I was writing public, I mean, before I had a name on my blog when I was still anonymous, um, and the thing that tormented me there about that was my ideas matter more than my personality, more than my identity does. Yes. I still want that to be right. to be true. Right. And you know, and and now they're kind of blended because. Yeah. Because I, I do think about this is what I'm actually walking through as a superintendent, as a first year superintendent, you know. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for putting up with us and for jumping in. Where are you going to find us today? You have to bail a little bit. I have to bail at 11, unfortunately. Yes. So, yeah. But thank you guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you guys. That was great. You're listening to Fuel for Educational Change Agents, an audio podcast channel including a variety of audio recordings by and recorded by Wesley Fryer, published for educators worldwide interested in free audio based professional development. This is a supplementary podcast channel complementing Moving at the Speed of Creativity podcast, which typically includes longer and lightly edited or unedited audio recordings. Learn more and access these podcasts on audio.speedofcreativity.org. All content on this podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 United States license.